it's roleplay life. No, so, um, go on, go on, go on. So I was looking around on iTunes trying to find our podcast because it hasn't been uh, accessed yet for iTunes. And um, when iTunes can't find the thing that you're looking for, it will give you some options uh, for things that it thinks you're looking for. And it's kind of interesting how many roleplay podcasts there are to do with sexualized activities. Um, so unless Gareth and Dan have some uh, shocking revelations to reveal for us tonight, I think anyone who's uh, listening to this for those kinds of things is going to be a little bit disappointed. If you're only watching the, uh, listening to this as a podcast, not a video, I'm just sat in a tub of jelly. That's it. <laughs> but if you're here to uh, listen or watch for some RPGs and tabletop information and news and reviews and everything in between, welcome to Roleplay Life. Uh, this is the second episode. I'm your host for tonight. I am John. And virtually on top of me uh, are my co-hosts... We were only just talking about the fantasies. Come on now. I thought it was us that was Dan. meant to have the revelations. <laughs> There's Dan. And there's Gareth. How are we all doing tonight? Absolutely fantastic. Uh, just for if if it is my video used, uh, it is the reverse for some reason. It is Dan here, so on on that side, and then Gareth on the other. I don't know why, but yeah, uh, I am works. actually I'm actually having a good day. I'm having a I'm, I'm having a good weekend. I've I've not been I've I've been a little bit ill, but I'm okay now. Good, Gareth. Um, I've had a very colourful day, as we were discussing uh, yeah. before we recorded this. Yes. But uh, I'm good. Excellent. So, uh, like I said before, we're going to be covering tabletop uh, activities, whether they be games, card games, uh, and such, and also a smattering of role-playing games on the computers and consoles and such. Uh, we've all decided to uh, choose a topic each, and who wants to go first? Donald, I feel from the conversation that we were having, uh, my topic kind of piggybacks onto the back of John's topic. Okay, okay. All right, we'll start so. with that then. Um, so I was looking at Twitch the other day, and I noticed that there was a game I didn't recognize that was very, very uh, anime-esque, which piqued my attention, uh, a game called Genshin Impact. Uh, and I did a little bit of searching, found out it was released uh, on the 20th of September, which is, what, like uh, three weeks ago, maybe? Um, and it's okay. <laughs> Moving uh, on. What uh, a powerful review. Yes. No, um, I decided to try it out. It, I mean, it's, free, it's a free-to-play, uh, open-world... Uh, like I said, anime type uh, looks role playing game with gacha mechanics. Now, if you're not sure what those are, it's it's basically loot crates 2.0. Um, it's so much worse than loot crates. I mean, come on. Oh, you pay for loot crates. Or oh, you can pay for loot crates. Gacha, you've got to sit there for 40 minutes at a time. And I only know this because I happen to have done my research on the Genshin Impact. To decide whether you want to roll a boy or a girl. I, I mean, I just picked a boy. When I, I so I've played the game. I, I decided to try it out to, to get some information and see if I actually liked it. Because I'm not yeah. big on these types of open world games. I don't play WoW. Uh, I played Guild Wars for a very short time and burnt out very quickly on that. 
Um, and it's okay. Like there were, there, were, there were a couple of things I would definitely change about this. So that by far and above the worst thing about this game is you have a companion. Uh, your companion is called Paimon and it's a little girl who's about two foot who can fly. She's like a fairy. And I don't know what it's like. Hey, listen. No. That's the only other fairy that I can think of. No, you, do, you get one. Gareth, you get one of those, okay? <laughs> anyway, That's so... Uh, we never invited him again after this. <laughs> <laughs> so Paimon is um, this fairy, and she is annoying as all hell. Like, she... <laughs> I mean... Lovey-esque. Yeah, pretty much. But she just... She refers to herself in the third person, and I think that's the worst thing. Oof, now, if she, if she were a fairy... Bad who was pretending to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that would be different. It would be hilarious if you had like a fairy version of Zlatan over your shoulder telling you what to do in the games. I'd be, I'd be all on board for that. But unfortunately, Paimon sucks. Um, uh, although I did catch a couple of uh, actions where she referred to herself as uh, me. So she can't even maintain character, which is even worse. Um, I mean... Go on. Uh... With you saying about the gacha scenario, um, yes. there's, that's not the only Genshin Impact uh, controversy, though, is it? Um, why? What else? What else have you heard? Uh, the other one is, I remember seeing this, I want to say 18 months ago, it was a while. So I was kind of shocked when you were like, oh, have you heard of Genshin Impact? And I was like, yes, I have. I've not played it. But uh, Nintendo had uh, a very long discussion with them because the initial build of Genshin Impact was Breath of the Wild, yeah, just it... reskinned. So, ah. um, yes, and it... it was not just a reskin, it was like, so it's the Breath of the Wild for free. So, and yeah, you've just it... put different skins in it. It definitely does have Breath of the Wild elements to it. Uh, <laughs> just for everyone's information, I've, I haven't actually played Breath of the Wild. I, it's, it's, a, it's a shameful thing to admit to, but... Um, I haven't played it. I never got around to it. Uh, but yes, it is very much like that. The only things I would say are different are the cooking isn't quite as important and you can climb for a lot longer. Although <laughs> I... Well, those are the only differences. I'm worried. Like, <laughs> I can see a lawsuit on the horizon. Well, I'm told that some of the times like the difficulty spike in Genshin Impact can be like, it's like, oh, this mission's pretty simple. And then, like, the next mission will be like, instead of, I don't know if it's a rating system or something, and it'll be like, say, for example, mission one's a one star mission. You're like, okay, that's nice and easy. And then mission two's a two star mission. And you're like, what the hell's five star going to be? Two star nearly finished me off. So, <laughs> and I've, it's definitely I've... built on the grind, I believe. Yes, I've, I've played uh, maybe three hours, and I've done the main story quests, and I got to level eight, I think. Uh, before the game told me that I needed to get to level 15 to continue the story. And it gave me some some uh, pointers towards how to raise my level. There was some side quests that I, that I could do in my journal. Um, but I did some of those things, and my level, I think, after... I got to that point at two hours, and then an hour later I was at level 10. So... So the XP drop just dramatically yeah, yeah. fell off. So... In terms of... The actual like look of the game, it looks amazing. It looks pretty good. Like, wait, that that that's a complete uh, change. It's very good, and um, for free, 
I wasn't expecting it to be quite so slick. Uh, it's been very well made so far. I've not noticed any sort of like uh, Fallout or Skyrim people clipping through the world or anything to do with uh, those kinds of bugs, which for an open world game, they're bound to happen, but I haven't noticed any yet. Okay, I've only played for three hours, but you know, you would expect to see something by now. Um, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I noticed something else. The, the menus um, were not great, let's say. So there are definitely, uh, it's a symbol-based radial menu. Because um, I played with the, a controller. You can play with keyboard or controller. I chose controller because it's easier. Um, but they're just symbols. Keyboard, mouse, or die. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. I just wanted to jump in and say that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Go. Yeah. Um, just whoa, yeah, that, that says PC Master Race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? It's in the wash, actually. It'd be there otherwise. Yeah. Sorry. Why don't you not just get it projected so that you can get it on the back of your screen? I yeah, can't you even get my lighting sorted, so projector's <laughs> never going to work in this room. <laughs> I can relate. Uh, I can relate. Uh, Pre-podcast discussions there. Sorry, back to Genshin Impact. No. Um, um, controller. So, yes. Uh, it had a radial menu. There were symbols. And then it goes to more symbols and everything. The thing that I found weird with that is I've seen many games do this, especially open world games, the the rife with that because it's easier when you go to different territories. You don't have to write out the different translations of each of the, the menu options. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. The thing I do have a problem with it is that the main menus uh, shows your uh, character that you selected, your HP, and your birthday. Each of your oh. characters has a birthday, and, it's oh, right, right. Okay. and right. it shows that as one of the main things on the main menu. And I can't figure out... Birthday. Yeah, but why do you... get do you... birthday gifts. Yes. I, I'm assuming that you do. But why display that in, like, the main section? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I just have the image of someone cheating that. Uh, yeah, on the... Yeah. So if you're playing keyboard, it's uh, number keys. Uh, and you can select up to four. Uh, characters who have different elements um, and uh, they interact really well actually it's kind of like um, a Tales of game if you guys are, are familiar with those it's it's, it's so combat is is a little bit mashy you've got one button that is your main attack uh, and two other abilities that are uh, connected to your element and your um, your elements there are seven different ones and they can interact differently uh, kind of like how that um, Harry Potter game that people were talking about a couple of like a month ago uh what's that game called spellbreak spellbreak yes kind of similar to that so the different elements can interact with each other um in different ways so one character can be like a water type who can uh get all the characters wet not in that way and another character can be an ice character who can then freeze all of those characters and you can um change between them so you're controlling one person at a time and you you change the buttons or if you're playing controller uh, it's the d-pad and you have a cooldown on changing between characters i think it's a, a second uh, wow yeah so you 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 quickly or quite quickly changing between characters making sure that you like uh, manipulate the, uh, the the buffs and debuffs uh, to control mobs because it's even though you've got four characters it's one character per time against you know your mob that you're yeah. attacking 
Um, I, I have no problem with that. I think that's that's quite nuanced. I think it's quite good. Um, the the thing I will say though, uh, three hours in, I was enjoying everything apart from Paimon. Paimon can go die, uh, quite frankly. Um, I just I hate to segue, but every time you say Paimon, I'm going to bring you all, both back now and any of our listeners. Digimon. Digital that's, monsters. Uh, it yeah. sounds to me like Paimon is the little, if, if you all remember, the youngest one's little um, Digimon that didn't do anything and then turned out to be an angel. That's what it I sounds like to me. Digimon. It's not back like, again, isn't it? I don't know. I always love the evolution in Digimon. So, like, if you look at Pokemon, you can see, like, little animal, middle-sized animal, really big animal, and it yeah. basically stays the same. In Dig- Someone did a great thing of this recently. And it was like Pokemon Evolution, and it's like a beer fridge, then it's a chiller, <laughs> and then and then it's a fridge freezer, and then it's like Digimon. It's a chiller, it's it was... a machine gun, it's a yeah. tank attached to a dinosaur. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it honestly is a joke. Uh, funnily, actually, there was a uh, an RPG uh, Digimon game that came out uh, six months ago, about or something like that. It was a detective game. Lockdown. Yeah, oh, right, it was. Okay. It was it's um, actually older than six months old. I think it? it's. Uh, I think it's nearly two years old, because uh, I actually remember seeing it Hang on. Uh, in game, pre-apocalypse. And it actually had quite a few reviews, uh, quite a few good reviews, and it looked when I was reading the back of the box because, like, I had a bit of Digimon nostalgia, and I was like, "Wow, this actually sounds kind of intriguing." Well, I, I. From what I could ga- grasp, it was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm just trying to find it. Well, uh, I mean, oh, you're right, actually, yeah. Uh, just whilst we were talking about that, though. Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth came out in yeah, uh, 2017. Um, I think what I may have uh, confused it with is I think the fact it's that this... the PlayStation 4 sale for about £12. I think what I confused it for is that it got released on PC not so long yeah. ago, and that's that's why I made that connection. It's meant to be quite good. Um, well, yeah. talking about Digimon games a complete aside, and this is exactly what we do. Uh, I, I don't know whether you've just seen me you've Googled it then, but uh, Digimon Survive is an upcoming survival strategy RPG really? video game but but... published by Bandai Namco. What a surprise. Well, yeah. Um, and it's supposed to come out in Europe next year. So, uh, you know, we'll probably won't be talking about Digimon back then. It was just an aside because of Paimon. Yes. How Paimon sounds like Patamon, um, who is who is I have just googled the little orange furball with wings. That There's one of the Digimon uh, arcs, and the main Digimon's called. You meet him, and he's called Shoutmon. I do um, remember that. Yeah, they got some really Oscar, good names. It it was like Oscar, and he's like uh, basically. I'll just finish my sentence. Oscar started watching it for a bit, and he found it quite interesting. But Shoutmon is basically he's like a microphone. Um, and basically, like, all of his stuff is, like, very rock and roll based. Like, oh. it makes me think very much of, like, the mid-90s Mega Man stuff. Because um, Mega Man in Japan is called Rockman. And um, his nemesis is called Bass. So it's rock and bass. <laughs> you see, no one likes the bass player. 
It's just, <laughs> it's just a factor. <laughs> well, that's us putting this as explicit now. Yep. Uh... <laughs> to be fair, we like we got like an hour and twenty minutes before I swore, and then immediately yeah. realised that I swore uh, in yeah. the last episode. I could have bleeped it. I, I was very tempted to bleep it. Um, but yeah, All right, so... John can blur it out. <laughs> I can. I, yeah. I've got new video editing software. I can do that. I can mosaic it. There you go, then. Great. In I, which I case, have a mental I'm... image that, John, any time that I make that gesture again, it's just going to be like a different food substance or a different <laughs> random item. Just covering it, yeah. Yeah, why yeah. not? It might even be Paimon. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely happening now. That would be full circle. <laughs> um... Uh, please yes. go onto the YouTube site to uh, to witness what I actually use to cover Gareth's middle finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but what were you saying agree. about the XP drop when you like, mm. oh, you've done all the story modes, yeah, and you've done all this? Is that when the game goes? Do you know what the real secret of leveling up is? Oh, burn your wallet. No. So the the way that it gets to that is that. Um, the the party of four characters that you have, I think there's something like fifty or sixty. I, I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's it's more like a I don't know if you guys ever played it a Fire Emblem Heroes type situation. Be aware of it. I've not played it. I watched it and played. Is Fire Emblem Heroes the app? It's, yes, the phone version. Yes, of the Fire I, Emblem I had game. it for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you have all of these uh, these uh, party members, and the only way you do get some for free at the beginning of the game, but the way that you get the good ones, shock horror, is by going to the store and yeah. you get a random drop and that's where the gacha elements come in and you get yeah. like different star uh one to five stars um paimon's mom i'll, I'll tell like you that. it's not actually paimon's mom i wish it were no, then i could kill her um, mom. yes a, f- a friend of mine is currently playing this like and, and desperately playing for playing it yeah and i'll tell you it's not just one to five it's one to six because he's got three six starred all orange and legendary characters. Wonderful. He was very happy about them, and he, he was he was streaming like through Discord. Basically, we're not sponsored by Discord, but you know, streaming through Discord. He showed me. He went, "Oh, look at this!" I went, "Okay, what now?" <laughs> oh well, now I complete the missions. Oh, John, you have Lost now disappeared. God. Just to let you know, what just happened? But uh, oh, okay. I'm I'm not entirely sure. That is not John's face there. Now that is. But, uh, I mean, technically, John's logo is John's face. Yeah, technically, that's what but, I meant. It's very small, though, yeah. Mm, sorry, a little bit. But this is uh, where I was going to piggyback in my topic. of. Um, so over the last couple of years, I've been playing uh, a lot of digital TCGs just because it, I can play it in and around my time. And when I was using Steam, uh, I discovered a free TCG game called Eternal. And it's made by a yep. studio called Direwolf Games. Uh, so we just had a quick mic change from Gareth. Uh, he was sounding very much like Optimus Prime. And as cool as that is, we figured we'd change mics. Right, so Gareth, you were talking about a TCG game that is uh, kind of like what I was talking about with Genshin Impact. Yeah, so I came across, like, there seems to be this arms race for digital card games. So, like, a couple of years ago, and I tried to get John into this, and it's called Eternal, and it's made by a studio called Direwolf Games, and they make physical as well as digital product. So I think they do things like Clank, the uh, the board game, and stuff like that. Okay, okay. Um, 
but one of the people in charge of that is a guy called Louis Scott Vargas, uh, LSV for Magic the Gathering players, who's like been, has he been world champion? But he's like in the uh, Magic the Gathering Hall of Fame. And when they released Eternal, uh, you could play for free. Okay. It was, you could actually play, if you were good enough and you played the, the games and the format well enough, you could grind free resources and you could be pretty much self-sustaining and you could uh one of my friends uh it got to without putting any money in he got just outside like the legend bracket and then you reach the point where everyone else you're playing against has paid for having the best cards which john can relate to from when we played gwent yes very Um, much so and one of the issues with Gwent was um, you could play Gwent for free. However, when I got to a certain point, um, like I just got lucky with my gacha drops and I ended up with a pretty decent... I'm trying to remember what the factions are called. Oh, I can't remember. At it was point. basically the, the one that does the siege towers and stuff. Yeah, the, so the the problem I had with Gwent was uh, the way that I chose to to play the game ended up not being. I, I got I got the deck that I wanted, and then immediately uh, a patch uh, dropped, and it was suddenly not a way that you could play the game, which meant that if I wanted to change, because I think at that particular point there were like three decks that were effective, and I didn't have yeah. one of them. Uh, and I wasn't willing to put in the hours of time it would have taken for me to get the currency that would have needed to make those decks at which point i'm like okay that's it i'm out yeah yeah but then you've currently got like um there's been a lot of people who due to the pandemic have done streams for things like um jewel links the Yu-Gi-Oh version and a lot of people are trying to go like is it possible to become king of games for free because (laughs) how much free time have you got well it's possible to become king of games for free um, and it, it doesn't actually take a lot of effort, but you have to know, you probably have to have played the game before, and then you create a new account to take advantage of, you know, when you've you got knowledge out. of what the free items are and such. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then it becomes, and this is one of John's pet peeves, uh, when I try to encourage John to try playing these kind of card games. I am notoriously like, bad at taking on Garrus. Uh... Um, new games, by the way. I, I am I am quite awful. Skeptical, could one say? I, you are. Cynical, perhaps, maybe. Cynical, yes, yes. Yeah. Downright well, pessimistic. Like, I'm sorry, because, well, um, sorry. Like John went on about Monster Train, and it's like, oh, well, once I've bought Monster Train, I own everything. And I'm yep. like, I don't feel it's the kind of thing that is going to grab me for multiple hours. It's funny you should mention Monster Train. I actually fell off that. I got I uh, completed... you fell off the train. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Nice. Uh, but I, I, complete, <laughs> I completed the game a couple of times. Got uh, Ascension a couple of times, um, and then went straight back to playing Slay the Spire, which I still play to this day. Um, Slay the Spire is an amazing game, uh, which I've actually encouraged Gareth to play uh, multiple times. He mm-hmm. has yet to take me up on it. But that's, I think that's just a, a difference in, in opinion between the two of us. Uh, I like yeah. those kinds of games. I think Gareth is more about his deck building. But well, you never know. I mean, building on that, so Monster Train, when was the last time you actually played? I can I can check Steam to check when I last activated it. Hang on. 
20 minutes ago. 20 Just minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, June. I last played in June. June. Okay. So, you uh, went in update it. Game, update you? it and play it again. Um, yeah. They have released, you know, the um, the starting champion cards and all those champion options? Yeah. They've released um, alternate versions of those. Oh, okay. For one. Um, plus, also, if you don't already have all the factions, they've introduced some, yeah. some individual faction cards, like the Umbra's got a lot more and stuff like that, and how it works out. And I think there's one additional faction, okay. that, um, and I can't think what it does, but it did introduce some new stuff. However, sitting on this fence and getting splinters... I also know exactly how Gareth feels because with with I, I like playing the card games where it's just continuous and I don't have to worry about it. But then I also like the element of deck building and, and trying to get the cards and then playing a competitive, you know, versus others. So one one thing I want to say that sits on the fence, I suppose you might say, Legends of Runeterra. Okay. So Legends of Runeterra is the League of Legends style um kind of hearthstone is the easiest way to describe it yeah but it, it is. isn't um insofar as it's, it's it's much more a magic um and a hearthstone mixed together with a, a few strange elements in it but one a couple of the reasons why that's good is one it's still relatively new it's only just left beta and um they've only had one major set release which has only just happened okay secondly you can get cards through the standard way. You can pay for them. You can pay decks outright, to be frank. You know, so it is slightly pay to win. But they have a model in there where you can select to get quests and to follow a, a specific quest line for several of the themes. So Piltover and Zorn. Or, well, didn't, or, I, I don't play Hearthstone, but doesn't Hearthstone do something very similar to that? It, it does, but it... it yeah, and and this does as well, and this is where it's going to come from. So, so first off, Hearthstone had set cards which you could get or packs, whereas this will allow you um, to customize kind of where you're getting your pack, your selection of cards from. Mm. So, from a specific faction, so to speak, or or whether you want dust, and dust um, can be used to craft cards, but you can also get wild cards. Okay. So. You can get them both in packs. If you have a pack with four cards in, one of those could be upgraded to a wild card mm. of of the relevant rarity. And the champions, which are typically the legendary things or you know the the main monsters, um, they have their own wild cards. And yeah, they cost a bit more dust, but the quests are easy enough that you can get the dust pretty quickly. I created an entire deck within two weeks just from dust. I spent no money on it. Yeah. Now they also release the new stuff, so I'm kind of like I've got to grind again. But I can do it, and I probably would get the majority of those cards. Um, see, but... see I, I've I've tried Hearthstone, and I and I didn't like it. Um, and then I tried because I, I played League of Legends for a long time. I, I got to plat, by the way. I'm not amazing at the game, but I got to plat. Um, and I figured it's League of Legends based. I recognised these characters, and then got into it, and I went, "Oh no, it's another another Hearthstone," and immediately got turned off. Which yeah. That might be to to my detriment, but you know that's that's how it looked to me, and it turned me off, yeah. unfortunately. So, um, I mean, like Hearthstone, you actually have interaction on your opponent's turn as well, don't you? In Rutaria, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that. So, um, you can affect your opponent's board, and they can affect yours, like on different turns. But also, in a in a very magic sense, and this is why it's also potentially important, is 
you block, but you choose your blockers. Mm, um, yeah. And why it's important is because then if you've got an effect that happens um, when it when something goes to the grave, as it is when it's destroyed, then you know that can affect it all. Um, if you say when this person's attacked, you know, increase its its attack, uh, its its damage. Um, so there's yeah, it's 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 a mix. Like, and that's why I use Magic the Gathering as the kind of it's the middle ground between Hearthstone's back-end system and Magic's mechanic system, I think, would be the easiest way to say that. There is one thing I'd like to ask, though. I, I didn't really get into uh, Runeterra enough. Does it have um, chat? Can you chat to um, your No, opponent? absolutely not. <laughs> but it coming, has coming, emotes. Coming back to uh, what we were talking about last week, uh, about basically the importance of chat in League of Legends. Um, Smart yeah, but Yeah. You know, you, you, you're facing your opponent, though. I mean, it's even better because they keep releasing new emotes, and the emotes either cost money or they yeah. cost, you know, whatever you're saving up. So, it's it's again, you can buy decks, but you can buy the cosmetics. These emotes can be great. You, you know, you could have, like, Teemo, like, blowing a raspberry or something like that. Or, you know, you've got... Um... I thought you were going to say something else, then. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Come on. This is this is Tencent friendly. <laughs> I can't say that. You could customize your um, emotes. So, like, you could customize your avatar, you could customize your emote, and you have, like, your, the game your deck sleeves, the, the game board. You can get a little pet, just like um, uh, Magic Arena, yeah. um, which has just released that shortly. Which is, I'm surprised you didn't mention Magic Arena when you were talking about um, digital TCGs that have had a slight yeah. resurgence. Uh, with Magic Arena, there's Magic Arena opposed to some of these, like I'm not saying it doesn't have a gacha element, but when you start an account with Magic Arena, is it gives Magic Arena and Jewel Links uh, and Teppen, which was Capcom's weird. I don't know if anyone's seen Teppen. I have. It looked weird. It's um, Rune Terror actually to me at times reminds me of Teppen because there's real time interaction, um, and people were discovering like you could actually do frame links in Teppen, like Street Fighter-styled frame links in this strategy card game. Yeah. Um, and you end up with... You, you start your account and they give you X amount of free resources. And the problem people have if they don't know the card games is they waste the resources on, like, stuff that they think cool. So, like, the Jewel Links one is everyone gets the cards from the cartoon even though they're probably terrible and they've got very little playability. Uh, but Duel Links is weird in the fact that it's like a squished down version of Yu-Gi-Oh! So instead of it being a five, you can have five monsters, five spell and traps, you only have three monsters and three spell and traps. Yeah. So it's like a speed format. Um, and a lot of YouTubers and Yu-Gi-Tubers, as they like to call themselves in their community, have been doing Duel Links and they've been going like, if you pre-plan your deck and you start a new account, how long can it take you to get to King of uh, Games? Um, and a lot of people did it within like three weeks. They were like, yeah. I'm going to play for an hour a day. You know, they, it was like, I'm going to budget by not spending money. I'm going to budget by not uh, playing all day and grinding. Um, and a lot of this stuff came from a YouTuber called Nim Nim, him and another Yu Gi Oh! YouTuber called Simo. Or Alex Simo, uh, they basically were like, oh, I want to find something interesting that's relatable for new players. And they basically got talking and they're both into old school RuneScape. 
Oh wow! And they went, well, how how about you know what's the Iron Man run for Yu-Gi-Oh? Because mm. um, like a competitive deck in physical Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, this is using the American terms, is it can be between four hundred and six hundred dollars for a competitive deck. Some decks can actually go up to a thousand dollars. See, that's one of the things that really upsets me about these types of games is the fact that you're putting this amount of money into essentially like either online things that can go away or pieces of cardboard. And that yeah, just, yeah. I just can't. Well, you know, it just turns me off. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, <laughs> you came out, you like that. Yeah, yeah. How much, how much did I end up spending? I probably spent like £1,100 on League of Legends skins. So about those four hundred, six hundred pound Yu-Gi-Oh decks, <laughs> um, or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, the, basically, the equation that he used was like, commonly people say to new Yu-Gi-Oh players, buy three structured decks and put them together, and you'll have a competent strategy. Like you'll have a LinkedIn strategy, and yeah. certain structured decks when the I think they're released twice a year. Certain structure decks are stronger than others, but if you get like a current one, it's usually like still meta relevant. Mm. And he went, okay, so I'm going to buy three structure decks, which is $30, and I'm going to spend $30 a week and see if I can uh, get to nationals. And I think he does 14 episodes, yeah. and he actually goes to Nats with a deck that's basically made in a gacha format. That's pretty cool. Like, I, that, that's, you know, if you're interested in that game, that's definitely something you would want to watch, isn't it? Yeah. Um, opposed to like what how most competitive players go, which is like you go to a secondary seller, you spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a relevant card, or you know, if you need. And three we are referring you... to physical card games at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and Jewel Links does a similar thing. Uh, like the prize item in Jewel Links is a, it's called a dream ticket. And you can, with it, there's ultra rare, which is the top uh, rarity, super rare. Then you've got rare and normal. And Konami give them out, like, so infrequently. So they give them, I think you get something like four ultra rare, four super rare ones when you start a new account. And it's sometimes, like, uh, Hearthstone had it with the uh, Call of Cthulhu uh, expansion. I thought you were going to say Cthulhu then. It is. It is totally Cthulhu. Okay. Uh, they just couldn't like, get the rights from HP Lovecraft, probably. Yeah. Wait, isn't Call of Cthulhu in public domain? It, it's Lovecraft. Um, it's like three hundred years old or something stupid like that. It's isn't not. He's it? from like the nineteen twenties. Oh, is it that recent? Oh, sorry. Yeah. But um, it still of... might be public domain though, because it's like fifty years usually. So, but also you have to consider that. Um, Cthulhu it's, is. I, I, sorry, I just imagined Cthulhu with a pair of Mickey Mouse ears on for some reason. I don't. <laughs> when you talk about public domain, and uh... <laughs> he's suddenly become public friendly. He's yeah. uh, he's visiting the patrons at Disneyland this year. Well, no, it's um... just that obviously Mickey Mouse should have been public domain like 25 years ago, but uh, Congress in America keep like pushing that back. Yeah. And exactly. you know, suddenly some sort of like squid monster with some Mickey Mouse ears, and suddenly, hey, he's no longer public domain either. <laughs> yeah, I like this. I like this. We'll, we'll come yeah. up with our. We'll call him Cthulhu. 
Maybe. Um, this is like this, that's like all of they're all World of Warcraft boss, and they're all based off like the four elder entities. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like if you start a Duel Links account, if you start when the like you get they do have a birthday, so if you come in, the next one will be the fourth birthday. Um, and they give you a load of promotion stuff, and it's worth oh, coming in. So like Call of Cthulhu is like if you started in that expansion, they just threw product at you. Yeah. Like you got, you, I think you got you could get something like eighteen free packs to start a deck, and the Cthulhu deck to start off with. So you'd start, you've got Cthulhu, who was, you uh, so it was John will know from Hearthstone, you get one mana crystal per turn. He's a 10 mana 10-10 ten, ten, who deals one damage to his uh, power and toughness. And then there's all the Cthulhu Disciple cards, which reduce his cost or make him more powerful when he's summoned or add him to your hand or all this other crazy stuff. So the amount of times you'd summon like a 32-32 Cthulhu, wipe the board and probably kill them with the damage was yeah. so it's, And it's, it was it's... always, and Cthulhu was built around the idea that, and this was always said on the cards, give your Cthulhu plus one plus one wherever he is. He could yeah. be dead and he would still be getting this plus one plus one. You'd revive him and be like, oh, I'm now like a, a you know, a 32-32. Sorry, I had to BRB, I'm back now. Yeah, yeah, it's weird you mentioned that actually, because uh, Dan was mentioning the Umbra in Monster Train, and that was pretty much what the Umbra deck was all about, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 he had yeah. one massive guy who was enormous, uh, and everyone else was just feeding him and making him um, stronger. Um, 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 um. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. You've got in Magic: The Gathering, you've got the Umbras, which are uh, auras. So auras are spells that you attach to uh, a creature card. Yeah. And loads of them are like, oh, instead of if this monster would die, destroy this Umbra. Um, and you, you like, there's in modern, there's like a couple of Umbra decks, and there's one in each of the five colors. Uh, there's actually multiple Umbras. I think green is the, I've not played that format for a long time, but uh, green used to be big. Dan, you might know this. Are there any? Um, so I, I played Monster Train for, for quite a while, I've got like nearly 100 hours on it. I, I always found that the the most interesting uh, group you could play as was the the candle, uh, yeah. group. You know what? Are there any? As soon uh, as you said that, then I was like, you know what? He's gonna go for burnout here. I knew you were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are there any like you know other games that have used that kind of uh, trope? Because uh, it seems. Mechanic. Quite... Sorry. So what's the burnout mechanic? Right, the burnout mechanic is that the guys are made out of uh, wax. And you, you, they have like three different turns, um, and if they, well, it can be more than that, obviously. But the characters would burn out. They would, uh, you could, I, I can't remember. It, it's been a while. Um, if you, some characters would burn out because they're lit on fire, and those guys were more powerful than the regular characters. That everyone was made of wax in this group. Um, but if you had, you could. You had like um, cards that would increase their power, but would make them so that they would melt. Um, yeah. So, but... so the idea is, is it apply like burnout one, but then give them plus five, plus two, or whatever. Yeah. Now so that applies. Game, also... like, I can think of multiple card games where similar mechanics happen. Uh, Magic: The Gathering. This sounds like um, there's certain Rakdos sacrifice decks, so they're red and black. Um, and what you can basically do is you can have certain creatures 
that will attack, uh, but then you have to sacrifice something, or it might have to sacrifice itself when it attacks. Mm. Or you might use a spell that does something similar. Uh, another mechanic that strikes me from Magic the Gathering, I think it was called Vanishing. So you'd summon a creature, and it'd be, for example, a 3-3. Three, three. But each turn, it lost... Uh, basically, its power and toughness were a counter, so it got plus it had three plus one plus one counters and each turn it would lose a counter all right let, let me be more specific and, i i would imagine that there are plenty of decks that probably yeah. in different games that do this something this type of uh, mechanic i liked the thematic reason that it gave oh, right. for this particular yeah, mechanic yeah. because the idea of like you know you your guys getting like weaker because they're melting away just set something off in my brain that went yes that is definitely what would happen you could also have characters um being made into other characters because you could just imagine like these different bits of wax just being smacked together and made into a different thing yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's so one of the champions and and basically um gareth if you haven't played monster and i haven't um seen it played um you get two you get a choice of two champions right at the start and that will kind of define how your deck goes one of those champions involves that each round at the start of the round it checks whether anyone died in the last round and will bring it back plus 10 plus 10 yeah so for a burnout deck that you know the die if you plan it right and you're you've got like a burnout one burnout two burnout three you know the guy on top is going to die he's going to become a plus 10 plus 10 next round so the idea was is that this this champion could revive him i mean it's it was quite interesting is there is that the idea of self like it isn't self-sacrifice in the same way it just that their time would be up yeah but then the, it, the revitalizing bit was always the fun bit for me yeah it was just the theme the thematic reason that they were giving for this particular mechanic yeah, yeah. was was cool and it, and it set off my monkey brain into thinking yes i could imagine that happening thank yeah. you for pu- coming this, up with that this is, this is actually potentially legitimate in a the, slightly fancy world going on a train <laughs> and being yeah. attacked by angels um, I'm trying to stop hell from freezing over, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it appeals to the monkey brain. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, no. I mean, I know, I know. We've talked. We we've, we we. I mean, we've we've not just talked about digital TCGs. Say that again, sorry. Sorry, I said I know I'm getting John for Christmas a Yankee Candle collection. <laughs> oh please no, God. <laughs> okay, well you'll have to uh, you'll have to like write on it that it's for his missus, and then just say for you and John. <laughs> so that'll be it. That'll be it. So I feel like this is coming to the end of this particular topic, but there is one thing I would like to, to steer back towards Genshin Impact. Um, and the, I, I enjoyed the game for the most part. The thing that it definitely did for me is that it made me want to play Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've never pl- I've played like nearly all of the Final Fantasy games. I've completed most of them. Um, I've never played Eleven because when that came out, it wasn't that easy to get hold of unless you had a PS2 with the hard drive, which I didn't have at the time. And I never played 14 because I'm not that guy. I don't play open world MMO type games. But this, I played this and it seemed very easy and it was it was easy to jump in, do a couple of things and then come out of it again and not worry too much about like where I was at or saving it or whatever, which being a parent is a, a very attractive thing because... Obviously, I could say to my family, okay, I'm locked in the room, I'm in the vault, don't come bother me, at which point, 20 minutes later, screams will occur over here, and I have to, obviously, break up World War Three that's occurring out there. So, the, the kind of thing that I can just leave it, 
and not have to worry too much about what I'm doing is is a very attractive thing to to have. And I don't know, have any of you ever played Final Fantasy fourteen? I've no. watched playthroughs. I've, uh, it looks, you know what, for a Final Fantasy game, I'm not a massive Final Fantasy fan. I'll start right out and say it. That's apologizing fine. You, you're allowed your opinion. You're wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, um, but um, I've seen it played. It looks like a Final Fantasy game, and um, there is, if you do play it, because you do sound to be, you know, you sound to be going that way with it. Yeah. Um, there is. Very interestingly enough, considering what we've just discussed about Genshin Impact, awkward difficulty scaling. Really? Oh, okay. Huh. So some of the side quests are right next to each other. Mm. So you'd all, you'd logically think, I'll do his, I'll come back. So his is a level 7. Oh, this is level 21. Ah, no, I'll leave that one be. Thank you. Right next to each other. Okay. Like, it was it was honestly, that's, that's the one thing that I kind of took away from it. And the fact that it was Final Fantasy Nostalgic. It had a lot of the similar characters you're likely to have seen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and the very move style was symbolic. But um, See, the thing I was, yeah. I was um, uh, interested in was the fact that people say that for story elements, it's very good. And for most MMOs, I've been turned off by the fact that most MMOs have terrible storylines. Or they just don't interest me. So the, well, the... most of the storyline in an MMO is, like, just... Do the quests. Reasons to do the quests. Keep grinding. Yeah, pretty much. Although I did show you guys a um, a boy that seemed to be uh, without his parents in Genshin yes. Impact. Yes. Uh, it was poor Timmy who had um, who was uh, upset that I scared the birds away, and he didn't want me to make the birds go away, just like his daddy. Which is... <laughs> I, that was literally yeah. like ten minutes into the game. By the way, I'm like, what have I got myself into here? It was kind of worrying, but I you're, you're not the first person to send me that. Actually, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was I'm more funny. Yeah, no, it, it was a different angle though. From so I was like, oh, is this another one? No, it's the same, it's the exact same. But yeah, yeah, it was a bit interesting. I've seen some mm. elements of that kind of, you know, in-game storytelling that's trying to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Like I saw yeah. a different kid, a different part of that particular castle that I'm outside of, um, uh, who's called Arthur. Is your princess in that one or a different one? No. Um, he was called Arthur, and he was staring at a sword, wondering if he could pull it out. Mm. The sword, the sword. He was trying yes. to pull out the sword. We've all been there. Yes. <laughs> so moving. Not on. in the public setting. Uh, so yeah, moving on. Moving on. Uh, so uh, so what was it next? It was always oh, myself, wasn't it? Yes. You know what? We have moved quite nicely on from. RPGs from video game RPGs, JRPGs in some cases, or um, you know, moving over to um, tabletop role playing games, primarily. And, and what I'm talking about is D and D. Um, so D and D is as old as time. Oh, it's not really. It's obviously it's from the um, late seventies, early eighties. But yeah, um, from the Gygax, yeah, Gary Gygax Foundation um, onwards. However, for the purposes of today, um, I found a and I'm so glad Garrett's on. I found a map-making website mm-hmm. that um, has lots of free options and stuff like that. Um, enough free options, but not quite enough um, to mit for me. So I paid for the extra $25 for the year, and I am hooked. Um, so, pardon? Is that incarnate? It is incarnate. I'm hooked. I'm telling you. 
I've, I've, I'm like, so I, I'm a big fan of Critical Role for anyone who is listening or watching. Um, I know that other people know smatterings about Critical Role. I don't know whether you've watched any any large amount of it, Gareth, John? Gareth? I think, as I said in the last episode, um, I think I've tried to watch the first episode yeah, of yeah. Critical Role uh, multiple times, and it just... I think... Is it the second season? And it's got Matt Mercer talking to himself as a series of dwarf guards for, like, ten minutes. And I was like, is... Is anything going to happen? Is it a little self-indulgent, yeah. is what you don't know? Like, don't get me wrong. I, like, he's clearly a great DM. He's very popular. Being a voice actor, he's uh, very fluid in his transition. But yeah, I saw. I saw. Like, I, I took a quick look because I, I realized we were going to talk about this. I, I haven't watched any Critical Role, but I did look at the the people who were on it and. They're all anime voice actors. All anime voice actors. I, I, I recognised all of them. It's it's and, and a prime TV uh, and a prime time television actress in Ashley Johnson, who is in Blind Spot, but also game actresses, not just anime, game actors and actresses. Yeah. Um, Marvel's Avengers. You know the recent the recent game that's come out. Oh, only four out of those four. ten yeah. Avengers are uh, around that table. Um, have you has has everyone heard of Last of Us? Yeah, yep. that was that was the thing I was going to bring up. Uh, so I always assumed that the guy, the sorry, the the lady who played the uh, the capture and the voice of Ellie was actually Ellen Page because it looked just like her. Yep. Just to rea- just to realize that it's not. It's one of the characters uh, in Critical Role. Yes, um, it is indeed. That was one of the things. I I, I do think there is a. Uh... There was an existing lawsuit about that, but that's about the Ellen Page aspect of it. So let's gloss over that. But no, I mean, <laughs> other things, I mean, like, they're all in video games of some kind. Um, Sam Regal, I did already mention, um, he had um, been on to, he was one of the producers, I think, for, or one of the directors for um, Disney shows. So he did a couple of DuckTales, the, re- the reimagined C series. Um, I think he did something with- to do with I'm watching those with my daughter right now, by the way. They are very good. The reimagined ones, yeah. Yeah, they're very good. I like them a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, it's a similar but just newish art style. It's, it's, you know, it's it's the same characters you love. Um, I think he also did something to do with um, Where in the World is Cam and San Diego or whatever that is. I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure with American culture. I've not watched it ever, but, you know, that's just Sam Regal. Which one um, of them and... uh, was the voice of Teddy from Persona 4? Do you know that? I would like to point out that we've missed Sam Regal's key voice acting point which is being Rex Raptor from the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, 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 we have to bring you back round, yes, yeah. Um, so Persona 4, who is oh, it? it? it's Sam Regal. It's yeah. Sam Regal, there Sam you Regal. go. You know, he also plays um, um, Ace Wright. Uh, what, no, what's his name? What's the Ace Attorney called? Oh, Objection! Oh, Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that Phoenix Wright, the Ace Attorney. He, objection, yeah. that's Sam Regal. There's, wow, you know, okay. This is... Yeah, exactly. Honestly, and, and for those of you that aren't aware that you're watching, um, and uh, you know, I don't know what research you've done in preparation for this. We'll certainly see now. <laughs> um, but Critical Role's first season um, has um, is going to have an animated series. Really? Wow. Okay. Co-opted by Amazon. Huh. After after an 11 million pound Kickstarter, Amazon co-opted it and said, wow. "You know what." You're doing ten episodes. Great, make it twenty-four. Okay, okay then. Yeah, show me the money. But yeah. they're all voice actors, so it's really quite ironic. I find it ironic at least. 
that they're now going to be voice actors, voice acting their own characters on a D and D screen. You know, from from that aspect, it make, makes me laugh. But then, um, you know, where where else is it going to go? Is there going to be a season two? You know, there's a lot of talk about that now. Sure, there is a lot of people who watch it, and this might also help to get D and D into the the creativeness, uh, the creator sphere of anyone who might might no longer think that D and D is just a nerdy thing. So it'll be it'll be good from that perspective. But just think of it this way: Critical Role has has developed so much, and Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast have cur- term, turned it around and said, you know what? It is the last three years of just far and above what we expected. We're now we weren't really going to be having a set release schedule. We're maybe just going to taper off until sixth edition or whatever was next. Oh, but actually, no. Now we're going to do four books a year, guaranteed, plus a few extra supplementals. You know, we're going to have an online system, D and D Beyond, which you can use really, really well. I'm actually in a campaign where content sharing's on. I can see every single book that's been released. It's it's incredible, um, and they've just gone from from you know from step to step with that. But now Amazon's getting involved, and Amazon said, "Yeah, it's popular enough. Let's let's throw a few million at it." Well, it definitely is. Like the number of uh, celebrities, at least that I've I've heard, that have started their own games. Like, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Judy Dench uh, did a campaign. <laughs> really? Oh my so, god, I, I mean, want to be on Judy Dench's campaign. Yeah, definitely. Like, she's a cool person. Like, I I would yeah. definitely want to be involved with anything she had to do with D and D. But um, Terry Crews. Uh, yep, has yep. done a D and D campaign. Um, he did it with I, Matt Mercer actually. Thing with Terry Crews because that's with uh, Matt Mercer, isn't it? Because he yeah. plays Orc blacksmith. And you, Terry, you, you know what? World of Warcraft uh, sponsored. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But Terry Crews in that the the level of hype. Is yeah, he loves hype. it. He's a proper like. Of course a... he is. He's a he's a ham actor. He'll, of yeah. course he loves that kind of thing. I don't, he's not even an actor. I think he rolls a crit and he loses his absolute mind <laughs> because yeah. he's just like, he, he, you know, he's just letting it happen. Yeah, um, I think that's what people really like about Terry Crews is he's super enthusiastic. Yeah. He he doesn't actually seem to bo- bother about what people think about him. And he, he, he's of that mentality, it seems, where it's like, if you like something, just do it. Yeah. Like, don't worry yeah. about the judgment. If you like it, and as long as no one's getting hurt, just enjoy yourself. Because he tried really hard to be wanting to do a Little Mermaid live action yeah. movie, aren't they? Yeah. And he wants yeah, to be Ariel's yeah. father. I, I could and see that. And he was like, yeah. "You've got to make me Ariel's dad." And loads of people are like, "But well, you know, the whole whitewash Hollywood argument oh, well, who came cares out about that. That that's yeah." <laughs> but I was like, "Yeah, let Terry." Cr- is yeah. it Triton? Yes. Uh, Aaron's dad. Um, as, like, as a quick aside, by the way, uh, it will be amazing. Uh, Triton is uh, Neptune's brother uh, from yeah. Hercules. So, yeah, hey, yeah. quick aside. Sorry. I, I like that kind of thing. DuckTales, the new DuckTales series, by the way, is full of that kind of stuff. Like callbacks yeah, yeah. and all kinds of things. I just watched the Christmas episode where um, uh, Scrooge uh, jumps on a Wendigo's head just like he did in the old Nintendo Entertainment DuckTales game. It didn't make the same noise, but it, it, it definitely was the same animation, sort of like, definitely a nod to that. And that yeah. series is full of that kind of thing. Yeah. Sorry, Gareth. No, it's fine. Um, I'm just going to make a quick aside myself with DuckTales being mentioned. Uh, in primary school, one of my friends had a Game Boy, and I had a Master System. 
and we did a swap and the game that I spent the most time on was Capcom's DuckTales. Yeah. And yeah. my friend James was like, oh yeah, it's pretty easy. And I was like, okay. Not realising that he'd played it for weeks and weeks and weeks before. Not and it's basically <laughs> Mega Man difficulty. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those games where you've got to work out like the micro transactions and a jump into a pogo and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, to be fair, I, I'm very lucky insofar as I've never had to play a game of that difficulty. It wasn't really my thing, but um, but just to, to 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 kind of bring it a little bit more full circle, we're talking about celebrities who take part in the D and D. So, um, Critical Role has the, you know, they were voice actors. They now play D and D. They're now a little bit more famous, and you know, they're getting more stuff up. That is going to blow out everyone's ears. Apologies. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it wasn't that bad. You got whereas. Do you know Joe Manganello? Yeah, the name sounds familiar. So, um, well, um, he played in Sam Raimi's um, Spider-Man. He played played the Flash. Uh, you'll definitely recognise him when you actually search for him. Um, but he has um, what can only be described as a star-studded cast of D and D players. So, in his regular game, he has Paul White, also known as the Big Show from WWE. Oh wow! Okay, he has. D.B. Benioff from um, Game of Thrones fame. You know one of the directors there? Yeah. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> um, Rage Against the Machines, Tom Morello. Yeah, I'm just looking at the picture, yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, there's a massive group of them. And, you know, and, and he was doing it with, um, who else? Um, previously, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy director. Yeah. Um, I'm just quickly looking. Who else is in it? I'm trying to think what it's actually Taran called. Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Tara, Tara Killen from um, yeah. um, Saturday Night Live fame, yeah. And I'm just trying to think what the name of his D&D campaign is. But it's somewhat funny because, ironically, all these guys who are around the table... The War I mean, of the Paul Dragons. White. Pardon? The War of the Dragons, according to this article I'm reading. Oh, so that's what the campaign is, but they call the D&D group something. Um, and I'm just trying to find out what it's called because, basically, it's like um, D&D Jot what is it? Celebrity um, D and D. Pardon? Celebrity D and D. Oh yeah, that so that so that was the mini series which created. So <laughs> after the first series of I'm just throwing um, stuff at you, Rumble, none of it's right. It's all good. Okay, I've got, I found the answer now, so yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll wrap back around. Yeah, but the first um, season of Critical Role, the the group called themselves Vox Machina, and okay. so John Magnello he's a he's a beefy guy. I mean, I would not want to take him in a fight. You know, he's got the big show on there. You know, he's he's and he's got um he's got another um like a bodybuilder or someone like that on there. They call it Jocks Machina because they're all <laughs> these big beefy guys and they sit around weekly or on Zoom now play D and D. You yeah. can you imagine looking at the big show twenty years ago and thinking you play D and D, mate? Not a chance. Um, but then also celebrities again, Vin Diesel. Vin yeah. Diesel did a one-on-one -on -one campaign with Matt Mercer, I think, and and I mean they're actors. So uh, a bit of that I'm sorry, out, but... but Vin Diesel is a pop sensation. He is not an actor. <laughs> ah, let's bring in the relevance, <laughs> the relevancy to the to, to this discussion. Yes, he is. Someone has Matthew Lillard in their D and D group yeah. as well. Um, Deborah Ann Wall, who plays, um, yeah, I don't know whether you watched the Daredevil Marvel series. I tried to watch the Netflix series. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, the, the the Netflix series. Yeah. I got um, most of the way first through the first season, and I I think I fell off it and never came back to it. Unfortunately, I've heard good things though. Yeah, I mean I, I liked it. 
my review, brief review, Daredevil season one, really good. Season two, a bit meh. Season three, absolutely amazing. And this is so upsetting that the way it ends and then uh, Netflix went, Marvel have cancelled us. So yeah. Yeah, and it's so like... Yeah, you know what? For a time, as far as I was concerned, I mean, I'm sorry, this is not D&D. This is not what I wanted to talk about, but this is exactly the purpose of this podcast. For a time, right, Netflix could do no wrong with those Marvels, right? I remember watching Daredevil season one thinking, me, this is incredible. Jessica Jones, which from a completely different aspect is still just as incredible. And I was like, whoa, Luke Cage wasn't necessarily my thing. But the amount of Harlem references, the music alone should have won that awards. It was so good, and the idea behind it. Now, I'll not talk about the the, the small, the, the the awkward one of the family. It wasn't the best, in my opinion. But then you bring them all together for the defenders, and I was like, wow, this is this is what I wanted. Defenders was bad though. Defenders oh, I, I loved it. Bad. It was like an anticlimax. Yeah, the true. thing that's really weird is at Iron Fist season two was absolutely amazing. But for some reason, all these, like the last series, I've not watched uh, Jessica Jones season three yet. For some reason, my brain's just like, maybe I just overdid it. I've... But Defenders was bad. So how much, I, I, how was... much of um, the cancellation of uh, that season three um, is down to actually just Marvel wanting the license back? 100%. Um, Punisher was part of it. Yeah. And Punisher, I don't know whether you saw it, it wasn't treated like a superhero spin-off. It was treated as a gritty this guy is like killing people. And it yeah. was and it worked. But then that also went So the I haven't watched any of these series because I don't think I had Netflix back then. But uh the I, I've watched a lot of the Corridor crew. I don't know if you guys have know who they are. They're YouTubers who uh they're CGI artists. And they've done lots of like um, editorial type of you know passing judgment on uh, CGI uh, scenes and what have you, and it was very popular. So they brought in uh, actors and stuntmen to look at scenes that stuntmen do, and you know show them how they do it and say this is really good or this is they shouldn't have done it this way. Blah blah blah. Yeah. They had a lot of uh, one of the stuntmen that they brought in was the uh, stunt director for um, the Punisher. And it showed like a lot of scenes of that, and I'm thinking, wow, that looks really <laughs> exactly as you said, yeah. very gritty. Like, it, there's no two it, ways. It wasn't a superhero movie. Yeah. Kids should not be watching it because no. there's there's a, there's the storyline of the Punisher, which happens right at the start. Although it doesn't in this case is a flashback, um, but like it was like they were showing what I was like. I mean, Netflix could just push that boat out, and they could. Most most common studios nowadays are scared of doing that. Netflix just says, ah, fuck it, put anything out. I think you know. Netflix also do go, ah, fuck it, put anything out. Because one of my friends, that, he sent me I'll a have film. To, uh, to, to beep that now. Bleep, bleep, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my friends sent me a film, and I would have to look through my messages to find it. And it literally starts off as a film, and it just falls into, like, it may as well just be, like, cut to the scene of two directors in the pub sat in a beer garden talking about how the film should end. It literally just like drives off the cliff. Isn't that an and episode of Phineas and Ferb? I'm sure that's an episode <laughs> of Phineas and Ferb where like they they run out of well they pretend they run out of money and just say uh, we ran out of money so this is how what should have happened but instead you're getting us on a green screen. Sorry about yeah. this. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that kind of aspect of it does, I mean, you know, it, it does interest people. Yeah. Um, the I mean, Punisher is hilarious, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's really bad. <laughs> Let's not it's mention like my green screen. Green screen. Um, so, uh, we have anyway, obviously Dan gone on quite a, a deep rabbit hole there. Can, can we go back for a sec? I just we wanna... can go back for a sec. Let's, let's back go back. Back to the start. I just want to go back to the start to, to explain why I started about Critical Role and then it just <laughs> developed. And I cannot understate this enough. This is exactly why we did this podcast because sometimes someone mentions something and then about 13 references down the line, we realize that it's actually an hour later. And it just goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but so uh, um, basically, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount was released by the Critical Role team in conjunction with uh, Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons. So it's official canon, all this. Um, you know, the world of Exandria, as it was, which is related to that story. Um, and I was so happy to be reading the book. Is this a campaign that other people can play then? Yeah, uh, it is indeed. So the um, it is a campaign book. So basically, this gives people the subclass options, the history of the area, the history of the world, even as well as a few starter campaigns. Okay. So these campaigns typically take you from level one to three mm. in different parts of this world. Now this is, is is only a starter thing. It's not a you know it's not a full module. But that then led to me. I happened to just this, this, I was reading through the entire book. I've read everything now in that book. And there was a sync two paragraphs about a continent that's not been explored. And I went, that's a really quirky continent. It's a really quirky idea. You know what? I'm going to work with that. And so this was Saturday because I was actually quite, I wasn't feeling particularly well. So I was like wrapped up. I was like, right, I'm Saturday doing that. Um, and since Saturday, used Incarnate, which not sponsored at all, but I just paid the money for and was like, great. And I've now designed the continent map. I've designed like the main islands maps. I've designed six town maps, three battle maps. And I'm like, I'm going to have to run a campaign now. I've done. I've done all this. Gareth, are you are you hearing this and going? I wish I had the free time to make all these maps. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Gareth. I'm so sorry. Don't hurt me. Is what I use the free version for, like when I do the world map stuff. For yeah, I, I thought it was the case. I did recognize the text. Yeah. Um, the like as Dan says, the design space of just mentioning like a lost continent or an unknown continent is a very simple design space. So it's like you can just throw in your your world into their world. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, a good descriptor to do stuff. Um, also, canon to the the worlds of D and D is Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah. Because yeah. they uh, just before Critical Role got their book out, there's also the Acquisitions Incorporated book. Uh, so you also have their subclasses um, and lore and stories. Yeah. So Acquisitions Incorporated, the Penny Arcade people, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the Penny Arcade one. Right. Um, and it's got some very Jerry Holkins rules in it. Yeah, so it is worth pointing out, and I just want to put this as a caveat, nothing absolutely negative towards Acquisitions Incorporated. You cannot insert Acquisitions Incorporated into a standard D&D campaign. You have to no. build it a little bit more around the Acquisitions Incorporated because there is, as Garrett's about to explain, some quirky aspects, shall we yeah. say, some quirky so, classes. Yeah, uh, so you have... Uh, unlike standard D&D where you have races, race traits, class traits, ground traits. Uh, in Acquisitions Incorporated, there is no... Diff Everyone starts with the same narrative, which is you're meeting to become a franchise holder for an adventuring group <laughs> that falls under the Acquisitions Incorporated banner. 
Oh yeah. god. Okay. Yeah. So it's not quite the same arcade because Jerry Hawkins is like, you know, you've got so say you're a wizard, you're like you're a, a half elf wizard, but also you've got to have a role in the company. So you might be a documenter, so you've got you're the one who takes all the notes and stuff, or you might be the cartographer, so you do the maps, or you might be the hordes person, so you're in charge of all the loot. Uh, and then you get from those job classes, you get benefits. So one of the frequent things that happens in the C team is the documenter will receive missives via their uh, documenter satchel. So the satchel is basically like uh, a tech, like a fax system for head office to send you missions or updates. For some reason, um, in my head, uh, I, I've got like the uh, the corporation in um, Umbrella Academy uh, in my head. You know, yeah, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of similar sort of meshing of things going on. Sorry, yeah. Gareth. See, for me, it's I can kind of see why you'd make that. It's imagine that, but you're also a Subway franchise. Oh God, not yeah. again. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, so the C team basically happened when they were like, oh, for funsies, because for some reason Penny Arcade did like a load of tabletop stuff, like um, they played Warhammer. I'm trying to remember what the the thing is. What's the Penny tabletop Arcade, game? Penny Arcade have pretty much tried their hand at everything, though, haven't they? Because yeah. they, they yeah. had those uh, RPG games that came out like 12 years ago or something like that. The Precipice of, what, what was it called? Yeah. Precipice of Darkness. Yeah. Which was also a reference to Call of Cthulhu. I I think I remember that, yeah. Orange loving fruit blender as Cthulhu. Don't bring Donald Trump into this. Oh uh, I think we might have to cut that otherwise we <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I'll bleep uh, it, it'll be fine. Yeah. But, he basically takes he belittles himself about D D in one of the Penny Arcade comics where Mike who is so Jerry is Tycho Brahe in the Penny Arcade and Mike is Gabe. And Mike basically uh it's like, Oh what are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm writing a D D campaign and Jerry's like, Oh, do you want some help? And he's like no, not really. And in the comic, he basically tells him a false narrative of what he's doing. And he's like, Jerry comes back and it's like, oh yeah, I've done um, a full a full workout of uh, this D&D world. And I, if I remember correctly, it's like, oh, you, it's D&D, but instead of races, you have vegetables and you've got to come out of the ground and you explore the world. And basically, Jerry, the later on comic is Jerry... Uh, Jerry's like voice doing the narrative as this like thing comes out of the ground and then the last panel is you know I just told you a lie and he went I thought I spent too much time working out the concept of soilmancy <laughs> soilmancy <laughs> well well, that does um, I, I suppose pretty much sum up I mean I, I was just very excited about d and I've, I've got this idea in my head I'm going to be running a campaign just to test it out with a few uh, with a few friends um, just to try and get as many people as I can in. But yeah, I mean, that was kind of what I wanted to talk about. We did meander a lot, but it was good. That was part of the reason why we're having this podcast. Yeah. Um, so uh, so I think, I mean, does anyone else have anything to, to, to kind of 
I mean, uh, what are you saying about this critical role thing? Like, what's the design space that you've decided to go for, other than it's a lost continent? Because so it's not actually a lost continent. Everyone, everything. So everyone knows exactly where it is. Um, it is in the Shattered Isles, and so some of the things that attracted me to the Shattered Isles is you can only get through it um, through a perpetual fog bank called Fool's Curtain, and I was like, well, of course, yes. Um, but then it's made up. It's an um, it's a um, a series of small islands, but it's forty three small islands exactly. And I was like, I mean, that's okay. That's a bit quirky. I'm going to go with it. And then it tells you a little bit more about um, the the who controls them. But it's so it's very vague. And I was like, I can build on this. And so like um, the campaign that I have will start off with the adventurers in mainland go into the Shattered Isles, you know, and and that, the story will run from there. But um, with the Explorer's Guard to Wildmount, there's a lot more opportunities and subclasses. Things like the Echo Knight, the the Chronergy magic, the Graviturgic magic. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things available. So that's the vague aspect of what it is. It's going to be more of a survivalist game um, as opposed to how, uh, how are people going to uh, drink though if they're um, if they're surviving now? Say that again. How are people going to get their beer if uh, if they if they're on a survival? They're going to find out once they make land and see what's there. As, okay. as far as they're concerned, you know, when they arrive, it could be nothing there. I like how seriously you've taken that. It's just the fact that every campaign that uh, Dan's been involved with, with myself, has had some element of uh, drink involved with it. Yes, it has. It has. <laughs> yeah. Quite by accident in most cases. I just want to point out. Um, oh, okay. Except for the first character who was a born drunk, I guess. Um, a born drunk. That that tells you something. Yeah, I mean, he was a sailor. I mean, I'm not stereotyping here, but he needed. <laughs> he needed. He wasn't. He wasn't the best sailor ever. He needed something to drink on the high seas. But uh, but yeah, so that was that's my campaign idea. I'm still working on it. It won't head off yet, but I've done. Like I said, I went straight on an incarnate, paid the money, and I've got so many maps, and I'm like, well, I've got to do a campaign now. I'm too far. I'm too far down this rabbit hole. Okay. I mean, it, it depends as well as like a DM on how you want him to focus your game as well. Like, if you're going to go for a, a survival metric, like everyone's really got to be on top of the game and everyone's got to be checking up on everything. Um, I think that's largely why I focus more on a narrative-driven uh, campaign because uh, it's you know I'm used to so many RPGs where it's like I'm carrying thirty-two thousand gold. But at no point am I ever encumbered because hammer space. No, because encumbrance is stupid and should never be an issue. Yeah. T to be fair, coin encumbrance, I'll probably ignore. No one's going to have 32,000 gold coins. Uh, spoilers if anyone watching this is going to play the campaign, um, or listening to this is going to play the campaign, but you're not going to have 32,000 gold. Um, however, extreme encumbrance. Actually, my only metric getting to 32,000 gold. <laughs> <laughs> That would be that would be a feat, I'll tell you, um, and not a feat you can take at level four, twelve, sixteen, eighteen. Uh, sorry, twenty. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so it'll be survivalist with an overarching narrative. It's not. I'm not going to ram it down the, the throats. It's they're going to find it eventually. I hope. Otherwise, I'll just have all these maps. I've done. I could do nothing with. You spend it in, in the entirety of it in the meantime. <laughs> Just put them in a prepared. vault somewhere, it'll be fine. You can, you can always use them for, for later on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've saved them, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my non-sponsored talk about Incarnate, so I do apologise for going on a bit of a tangent there. 
That's fine. You're enjoying a product. I mean, we should talk about it. There, are, there yeah. might be other people listening. Hopefully, please God, listen. Um, that might enjoy that particular thing. So, you know. I mean, you were asking me about pyromancers as well. Is that what you've been using for the battle maps, or have you just? Uh, done I, I was, but then I found Incarnate. So it happened that you told me about that, and then I found Incarnate, and I because I paid the premium for Incarnate. They've got a battle maps feature, which is fantastic. Exactly what I needed. Yeah. With Incarnate, when I joined up, how long have we been doing D&D? I don't know. Uh, but when I joined up, they didn't have the battle map system. And when I last logged in, it uh, was weirdly during the pandemic, and I let my son just play with the map making, uh, and he loved it. He loved making the worlds and stuff. Yeah. Um, He's so much better at it than you are, Gareth. It's amazing. Oh. <laughs> so true. And uh, <laughs> But he basically made these maps and he loved it yeah. uh, and then that's when they'd had the upgrade where you could make the battle maps and the isometric maps and all the other stuff uh, yeah. but I believe Incarnate a bit like Pyromancers are looking at releasing through Steam a downloadable map maker. Right okay well I'll I'll download that definitely because I mean the, the browser to be fair the browser has not had a single issue for me at the minute so I'm I'm not worried, but I also like having things on my system. Can you imagine if they yeah. use that with like the workshop support as well? That would be pretty yeah. cool. Like you could just have people uploading their own stuff. Thousands, yeah. millions of assets. Like it'd be great. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be my wet dream. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. There's a and guy out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on that note, we're gonna end about my wet dreams. Yes. Um, There's I follow quickly for Dan on Facebook, uh, and he's called Two Minute Tabletop. And he does uh, some free stuff, and he also has like patron level items. But one of the things that's quite cool, and you, I don't know if you want to have a play with this when we finish the podcast, he has a token editor, and it's literally all it's very sort of pseudo chibi artwork of like a dragonborn and a wizard and stuff. But you can choose all the skin tones and stuff. And I think if you're going to do like a quick campaign and you're new to D and D, I think that's absolutely great. Yeah. Uh, what's that called, Gareth? Sorry. What's that called? Two minute tabletop. Uh, he has some great free maps. He has some great tools. Um, and then if you really like him, you can follow him. So I've got like, um, I follow lots of different Instagrams for maps and D and D ideas and stuff. Um, some of the stuff I actually borrowed for the last campaign, um, including a spell that Dan was like, oh, I'm a half-elf, it shouldn't affect me, and I was like, it's not a charm spell, it's an enchantment. Gareth didn't uh, tell us he was doing homebrew spells, I just want to point out, yeah. but that's fine. Yeah, it was a, a spell by a company called, uh, is it Feral Trading Group? And I think the spell was called Stalemate. And basically the whole point of the spell is that you basically enter a uh, psychic battle of chess and the whole point is that if you get checkmate, uh, the opponent takes damage. Okay. Cool. All right, then. I think that's uh, bringing us to the end of what we were going to discuss today. Uh, it's definitely long enough, so editing is going to be fun. Uh, I think that's going to be it, unless anyone else has anything to add. Um, yeah, I just want to quickly, I mean, you mentioned it at the top of the show, but uh, for those of you that are maybe watching the YouTube, um, or you are listening elsewhere, um, we are on um, YouTube, um, we are also now on Spotify, on yeah. anchor.fm, we are on um, 
we are trying to get the Apple approval, as John mentioned at the top. We have submitted our first podcast for that, and every time we upload the podcast now, it will just sit in this queue for Apple to approve. I don't know how long that takes. But um, if you are looking for something to listen to just on Spotify, we are available there and we are chatting there. So if you don't have time for YouTube videos, sometimes you don't, just pull us up on Spotify because um, then I get to see the metrics and it's all cool numbers and things. It's great. The numbers go um, But yeah, And don't forget to share this because that's important. Like I know Gareth did and I forgot. I, I clicked share and then wanted to put the Spotify links in and forgot. So I'm going to do that actually when we finish here. I think try and get it out on Facebook I and Twitter. I think I so. put them on the YouTube videos and the Facebook accounts and the Twitter page. So, uh, we have everything that you might think that social media people should have. So yeah. we're, we're around. How did the Amazon work, just out of interest? I, just had to, <clears throat> I had to put in the RSS feed uh, and tags, and that was pretty much it. And then it said, okay. you've done your thing. Come back later. We might send you an email. Uh, oh, okay. And that was it. So, you know, oh, we well, might so get it, we might not. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, But, you know, we have all, lots of options. So, Yeah. Um, I think that's it. So uh, everyone who's uh, waited this long to listen to all the way to the end, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've been uh, your host for today, John, although Dan's done most of the hosting by himself, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, I've been joined uh, by Dan and by Gareth. Uh, thank you very much for listening or watching. And... I'd just like to say thanks and goodbye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Au revoir. Good night.